everybody. Welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're here to talk with you about some yarny stuff, about some witchy stuff. And it's finally October. It's the most wonderful <laughs> time of the year. For those of you who can't see us, we're both looking our usual sorts of selves, which is a little spooky mm-hmm. um, and being festive. Anyway, I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Yeah, we have a teeny bit of news this week because it's finally October. We're going to celebrate Socktober for all of you people out there who make socks out of yarn. We will be posting sock knitting content to our blog and on the Fiber Coven Instagram page, which we need to post to more. <laughs> I'll be good. And then we also wanted to tell you about a cool Kickstarter from another yarn professional. Uh, Would you like to tell us about it, Emily? Yeah. So I Am Fully Spun has a new Kickstarter up and it is really cool. If you are familiar with I Am Fully Spun, she used to have yarn that like was marled and like switched colors and kind of looked like a hand spun yarn. Like barber pulled? Yeah. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. uh, the fiber was all hand dyed by her and then sent to the mill to become yarn, which is really, really cool. Um, I actually got a mini skein of the yarn when we were in San Francisco and it was one of my prizes for the Stripes in Space MCAL. But also uh, I Am Fully Spun has a whole like pride line of colors that were part of this uh, based off the different pride flags, which is really neat. But this Kickstarter project is to bring back uh, the marled yarn. So that's awesome. And anytime that you can back a Kickstarter and get yarn from it, that's the jam. (laughs) So there's also an exclusive color for the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. And Darcy Kern is uh, like in charge of the color decisions for that one, I guess. But yeah, so exciting. Get uh, that exclusive colorway. You can also get uh, any of the other 12 colors that she's going to be producing as part of this Kickstarter. I think there's four from the Pride, four from the regular, and then four new colors that are going to be brand new for the Kickstarter. You can also get some swag if you don't want yarn. There's like tote bags and cute pins that are exclusive to the Kickstarter and mugs and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, And it already is at $23,000 of its $30,000 goal. So... Looks like it's probably going to get funded. Keep buying yarn, everyone. Yeah. So if you have a little extra cash in your pocket, you can go back that Kickstarter. Um, And if you don't, no worries. I'm sure just following either I Am Fully Spun, who created the Kickstarter, or Darcy Does It, which is the Instagram handle of the collaborator. Mm -hmm. They're both really great accounts to follow, and you can help promote their work. Yeah. That doesn't cost a dime. Mm -hmm. Woohoo. We'll have to do that on our social medias. Yes. I shared awesome. it on my personal one because I did back it, but we can share it on the Fiber Coven one too. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Um, I guess we can start off with finished objects. I've got a couple. Do you have any? No. <laughs> okay. I finished two things. You probably can guess what they are because I did clear my needles off for Socktober. What do you want to see first? Uh, the honeymoon socks. Uh, oh, they're hidden. I finished a pair of socks for my mister, my fella. They're nice. Got, yeah, they're opal, which is a European uh, self, commercial self-striping sock yarn. 
They're sturdy. They're hard wearing. This one is quite autumnal. It's greens and browns and oranges and fun little stripes. I did a traditional cut in afterthought heel out of the same yarn. I, you know, you're just socks. I throw in a line of ribbing down the uh, front of the leg and the foot just for a little extra uh, snugness because my sweetie has irregularly shaped feet. Although <laughs> some a risky run with commercial yarn sometimes is um, there being knots in it. Mm-hmm. So I did run into that in this. You can see here, this is an aberration in the striping sequence because it had a knot. I just cut the knot out and wove in the ends. It wasn't a big deal. But like after this section, like it got so irregular, like it was, there weren't any more. There was only the one knot, which is fine. Like if there's like only one or two knots in a skein of commercial yarn, that's something you need to roll with. Mm -hmm. That's the price you pay. Like, you know, that's why it's so cheap. Yeah. But, but you can see I got like two green sections in a row, which was mm-hmm. like, hmm, interesting. But it won't matter because uh, these will be very much underneath a boot entirely. My sweetie wears a lot of work boots that are quite tall. Finish sockies. Yay. And then I finished your sweater. You finished it? Whoa. <laughs> I thought you were just working on the sleeves still. I didn't realize you finished it. Holy butts. It's a sweater. Um, mm -hmm, It's a sweater. It's identical from the front and back. I don't know why I turned it around so that the front faces you. I finished it. So this is the Aura sweater by Ginkgo B. Yeah, I think it's going to be really cute. It's this nice, light, lavendery, purpley bit. I have um, a good chunk of the... Third skein. This is only, this took two and a half skeins. Really? Wow. Two and a half skeins of my um, Surrey fluff yarn, which is 100% Surrey alpaca. It's going to be super warm. I tried it on last night and I think the sleeve length is going to be really good. It was a full length sleeve on me and we have a similar wingspan, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking if it's okay with you sending along the rest of the skein in case you wanted a matching scrunchie or boot cuffs or something. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And also to um, this, this design does feature this square neck, uh, which can be a little loose. You might want to run, run a strand of yarn or something through the, through the eye cord and make it mm-hmm. a little snugger around the neck. Or if you like the kind of loose look, that's good too. I like the loose look on mine, but there's like lots of options. I'm so it's excited. So I haven't blocked this yet because I just finished it last night and I was thinking, of sending it to you unblocked so that you could try it on and say the arms are a little too long. You could I think block that's a good idea. Wider yeah. or if the arms are a little too short. You can block them longer mm-hmm. or. I think that's okay. a good idea because I can pin okay. it out to adjust whatever I want to adjust. Yeah. And since it is, like I said, this entire sweater is two and a half skeins of yarn. It's at a loose airy gauge. So there's a lot of give to it. And it's the way the patterns designed i've knit two of them now highly recommend the rs sweater and it because i'm knitting something for some for a friend across the country who i can't force to try it on at intervals like i said this doesn't fit you you can give it to like one of your super cool like artsy friends who wears wild stuff and i won't be sad at all i'm so excited Mm -hmm. but i think it'll fit you and i think you're gonna look really cute man and it's so fluffy and banks has been guarding this had it laid out all finished and he's like i'm gonna loaf right here cute i'm so very excited 
I'll probably send it out to you next Monday. Ah, it would be so cute and pastel. Thank you. This is my first time having a garment knit by another person. That is so exciting. I like mm-hmm. doing this. It's fun. Yeah. So what have you been knitting on? I have only been knitting on my waxing moon shawl half sample because mm-hmm. it's October now as of today. And I would like to release this pattern this month, which means I need to finish knitting the second sample. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here it is. <gasps> Yay. I have made so good. lots of progress. I was in the middle of flower moon last time we talked. So I did all of almost all of the, I'm on the third Q3 color, which is Harvest Moon. So I was very briefly on the correct month uh, for colors, but I am going to be ahead of the current month after this weekend. So yeah, I only have four more colors to add in here and I've already started on the fourth one. I think it looks really good together. I did uh, hand pick my own uh, mini skeins from the massive (laughs) pile of mini skeins uh, each time. Uh, So they are all like my most ideal version of the colors that you did, which I think is really fun. (laughs) I did the same thing too with the big skeins. I mean, absolutely. I was like ooh, this so I think I mean, my flower moon has like way more purple speckles than most of yes. it. it was it was like one that like maybe you had like put too many speckles on and I was like oh yeah that's mine <laughs> uh, although I will say when I was choosing my favorite from the badge like I had half a dozen full-size skeins I made or like maybe a dozen where you had like 50 to 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. Chad helped me package all of the little individual months. So, like w- before he started packaging, I was like, "Oh, wait, no, I gotta look at these yarns and shop for which one is mine." <laughs> that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't have much work in progress content because my you finished a sweater, <laughs> and you like mm-hmm. hadn't even started the sleeves. I crushed it. Yeah, I've been watching fall time things and rewatching The Mandalorian, which is something I like to absorb every greedy second with my dirty, lustful eyeballs. Um, so like that vanilla knitting of the sleeves was perfect. I was just like, ah, yeah, shoot it, Mando. It was great. Nice. Digression. Have yeah. you started your Socktober socks already? Yes, I okay. cast on. I have a wee little cast oh, on it's from so this small. morning. I have it's like three rows maybe but uh this is going to be the plaid blanket socks from Dana Ray makes I'm so excited for this uh this is pitchfork fibers in the boogie wonderland colorway I picked this up at my LYS the pastel like tonalness of that I think is going to look really cool with the stripes that you have mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's a pastel tonal it's mostly white I, I want to say a grungy white because it's, it's like a little a cool white yeah. a cold white I don't know but it's got little pinky purple pastel-y bits um and it's making me really happy it's in this skin coat that I picked up at knits and knots it's a spooky one with little cat eyes um but the thing that is going to get worked in to make it plaid is this nugget of very nicely saturated haverland That's so hopefully today I'll work I'll start working on this some more yeah, I, I've been 
I have worked on my pork socks, but like not enough that it's worth it to show them to you. I only have a couple mm-hmm. of rows in on my uh, heel flap. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I did pick that color knowing that it was kind of spooky season color. So I will keep working mm-hmm. on those throughout October. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Hopefully next week I will cast on all the things like right before we started recording I drew my little tarot card for the day and I got the knight of wands which is big cast on all the things energy which is what I am doing today I got the six of wands we both got Ooh. wands mm-hmm. I like the six of wands mm-hmm. I also got paid by kickstarter today so theming that is a very appropriate card for that it is I just every time I see that one because it's the image is a traditional roman triumph mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see history of the world part one, the Mel Brooks film? Mm-mm. There's the scene where they're making fun of like the Caesar and they have a very comical, it's Mel Brooks, a very comical person going, remember thou art mortal, <laughs> which is like a, an essential part in a very silly voice. And it was an essential part of the traditional Roman triumph was the person whispering to like their conquering hero, like memento mori, remember thou art mortal. But it was just very comically done in history of the world part one by Mel Brooks. Nice. Random fact about Roman history from Lauren. Fun times. Anyway, did you acquire anything this week? No. I did. It was something I bought a long time ago, but. Oh, um, yeah. (laughs) So you'll be seeing the Ghibli yarn again because I got mine. It's right here. I ordered the same uh, three month kit that. Emily did and I finally got it. I was just waiting for it to come and it wasn't coming even though I was getting other packages. So I'm like, something's up. So I asked my post office people and it was just down at the main office. It got, you know, there was a kink in the works and our entire town got shut down because of a wildfire. Then I have my yarn. It's happy. So this is the Kiki's delivery service one. It's called Town with an Ocean View. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this. This yarn is much prettier in person than it comes across on camera. It really is. It's very subtle. And I think that it's mm-hmm. it's hard to show just like how delicate some of the color changes and stuff are in photos. It's really nice. It feels like a really plump sock base too. Mm-hmm. It does. I'm, inter- I'm very interested to knit with it. Mm-hmm. And then the Totoro one, which is the first encounter, which is from the little scene in Totoro with the little sister meeting the first little spirit mm-hmm. in the garden. It's so cute. This one is just perfect. So good. And then the last one is the Howl's Moving Castle one, Merry-Go-Round Life. I keep rotating. Oh, yours know. looks I- like it has a lot more pink in it than mine. I haven't unwrapped the skein. Maybe I have more pink inside. I think it really looks like the town, though. Mm -hmm. It's really good. I like it a lot. Yeah, and that's what I got. Yeah. It makes me happy. I think I know you were talking about years you wanted to do a shawl pattern. I so I want to do a sock set shawl pattern for a mini shawl that you could make with a sock skein and a mini skein. Because I know that's something that people like want and it's something I want. Uh, And I figured Mm -hmm. I might as well use one of those because they're like special fancy. I've internationally ordered them yarns. So maybe one of them could be a shawl instead of socks. I will probably Mm -hmm. use the Kiki one for that because like, let's be real. It's me. Who? What am I going to do? I'm going to use the Kiki one. Yeah. 
I'm probably going to end up making that with one of these sets too. But another one will probably end up being socks. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I might do that. I might do a uh, Howl's Moving Castle socks for Chad um, mm-hmm. because we actually both have Howl's Moving Castle tattoos that we got on our honeymoon. So that's like a special movie for us. Yeah, that one's really, really sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking with mine, I definitely want to make some more friendship bralettes for my uh, friend. Friendship bralettes for my friend. Uh, I want to do that because she's a Ghibli fan and she was one of the other people who was like, you need to watch this stuff. And I think maybe with the scrap, because she's about my size, uh, I'll probably have leftovers and maybe I'll make some scrappy socks for some other Ghibli loving friends too. Cute. Mm -hmm. Well, sweet. I guess we can talk about Occult Corner now. So this is just a fun little snippet. I don't think we will ever get to the bottom of all the weird stuff that the Victorians did. <laughs> what have we done so far? We've done like the tear bottles. We did black story bottles. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mummy eating. Then, yeah. And now today we're going to talk about the Victorian paranoia about being buried alive because that was a thing. So as I learned this morning, the fear of being buried alive is called taphophobia. Oh, Yeah. And so, and this was definitely a pretty reasonable fear uh, in the pre-modern medicine era, one can imagine. And there are tales from folklore dating back to as far as whenever about tales of people being buried alive. (laughs) Jesus, you know, and other sorts of things because they didn't have a medical understanding of comatose people and other diseases that may put people in catatonic states Mm -hmm. but in the victorian era it definitely rose to prominence because of an 1844 post story about being short story about being buried alive and i'm gonna say it kind of hit its peak in 1897 with the uh publication and uh popularization of bram stoker's dracula for those of you listening at home i am holding up my old copy Oh, it's actually got bite marks in the corner from when we had um, from vampires, from (laughs) tiny little vampires. No, I'm pretty sure it's from the foster kitten we had a couple winters ago. And if you've never read Dracula, it's really funny reading it from somebody who totally knows what Dracula is from pop culture. But like, this is the original. They didn't know. Mm -hmm. There's cowboys. It's funny. (laughs) It's so funny. Um. Yeah, I think Dracula is peak Victorian paranoia paranoia about being buried alive. One of the main plot lines is like your Victorian heroine who is beautiful and lovable and wasting away of a mysterious disease. And she gets, you know, they have she she gets dies and gets buried, but she's not really dead. And there's lots of, you know, going back to her grave sort of a thing. Anyway, back to tales of Victorian eras. Victorians did so much wild stuff. I think, well, I don't think, I read this on the internet. One of the main reasons that the Victorians were so paranoid about being buried alive was medicine had progressed to the point where they were starting to under, it's the beginning of modern medicine. They were starting to understand uh, diseases where people could, you know, and comas and things like that. And they were beginning to see that through a more modern eye and look back on the past and realize how many people they might have possibly buried alive. 
And another reason people might have been buried alive is because Victorians used very heavy drugs to sedate people. Like if you're giving people that like codeine cannabis, like oh, what, laudanum syrups to knock them out, like there's a chance they might look pretty dead for a while. So those were kind of the two reasons the Victorians were pretty paranoid about being buried alive. Is it paranoid if it's a real concern? Overly cautious? I don't yeah. Know. So and. I did come across something about uh, Victorian era mortuaries storing bodies until they started to decay and putrefy, which would be a definite sign that somebody was in fact very dead and not just extremely comatose. But I started thinking about it. And so many spiritual practices involve a period of waiting that is roughly a week before burial. Like the pretty much every Western and you know, in like the, the known world, that's a silly phrase, but like every like Mediterranean historical culture, Jewish culture, Irish culture has a tradition of the wake, which is where you just hang around and hang around with the body. And like what you do varies, like, are you supposed to cry a lot? Are you supposed to sit there peacefully? Like that, that process of sitting with the corpse was probably well, double check. Addition. Yeah. It served the additional purpose of making sure the person was dead, dead, but the Victorians took it up to another level by making safety coffins, which were these insane contraptions where there was a part that usually stuck up um, above the ground or like in a mausoleum, there was a glass pane in the coffin so that uh, either a religious professional or like the caretaker of the cemetery could see like, oh, is there condensation from this person breathing? Or you could look in and see like, oh, is this person like rotting away like they're supposed to? There were also many contraptions involving like bells that came up that were protected from the elements that uh, were tied to people's fingers and that would oh. allow for like airflow to come in as well as a way for people to like a person who had woken up inside their coffin hypothetically to alert to like uh, a caretaker at the cemetery that there was there a live person down there there were lots of contraptions involving little flags that would wave or bells the bells seemed to be the most popular one but if you're an actually dead corpse with a string tied around their finger attached to a bell uh, in the natural process of decomposition uh, corpses can either inflate with gas or just kind of, you know, start that process of decaying and like melt. And that will, there's some movement involved in that. So there were all the cases that were ever recorded of these safety coffins, of these little bells ringing. None of them, not a single one was a person that was buried alive. They were all just people that were naturally decomposing and that shifting was causing the, the string tied to their finger to move around and ring the bell. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I love, all, I, I love like all the coffin seat. doorbell situation. You're like yeah, a front desk coffin. bell. I'm picturing like a little hotel front desk bell. <laughs> ding, ding, alive in here. <laughs> Mm hmm. Yeah. But like the idea that somebody would just not freak out and just be like, oh, I prepared for this situation. Ring, ring, ring. <laughs> I don't think that would be the case. I think it would be like every case from pre-modern medicine where there's like claw marks in the coffin, people mm -hmm. going absolutely bonkers because it is a terrifying thing. Yeah. But there are a couple phrases that people think are related to this. Victorian trend of putting bells in cast, you know, connecting bells to caskets and they are saved by the bell 
and Dead Ringer. Oh. But those are actually not about that. Saved by the Bell is about boxing. Like mm-hmm. when you get in your right, ass right, 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 right. And the bell mm-hmm. rings. Yeah. And Dead Ringer, I think, is a horse racing phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of people think those are about Victorian people getting buried alive and ringing little bells to get out of coffins, but it is not. Interesting. Yeah. And that's what I've got on the um, Victorian era increase in taphophobia, fear of being buried alive. Cool. Did you find any cool tidbits on it? I have a related but somewhat extraneous tidbit, which is on mort safes, which if you've seen pictures and there are pictures on the internet of these floating around, it's basically like an iron cage over the top of the coffin. And there might be like a big coffin shaped stone slab on top of it. And there's some memes that go around the internet that are like, people believed that vampires were real or that zombies were real. And that's why these mm-hmm. safes exist. That's not mm-hmm. true. Uh, these things existed in a little bit before the Victorian area. So this is like earlier in the 1800s, not it, it, I think it extended to the late 1800s, but like really big in like 1800 to like 1850 range, which is when modern medicine was getting started. And people were learning about anatomy by dissecting human corpses. And these safes were because there were lots of people who were grave robbing not for valuables, but to get bodies so that doctors and students could uh, learn more about anatomy. And the government overwhelmingly kind of turned a blind eye to this practice. Um, They weren't really Mm -hmm. cracking down on it because it was advancing medicine so much. And this is like how they were learning. Uh, And there were many people who made their money by doing this. Uh, There were many uh churches that like kind of turned a blind eye because they were getting money from the grave robbers to like have a source for bodies so th- uh this concept of mort safes became popular among wealthier people uh to try and protect their loved ones uh from being stolen for uh learning about anatomy and in a lot of spiritual practices especially this is was extremely popular in Scotland uh because in Scottish uh, practice it is considered that you like can't really ascend to heaven literally if you don't like have all of your parts like if your body is not intact uh, so mm-hmm. mort safes were really popular among wealthy Scottish people at this time I think it's interesting because the safety coffins were obviously something that was only accessible to wealthy people mm-hmm. it's I don't know and also, this was still a practice that was practiced by people who are less wealthy. It just wouldn't have been like the elaborate like cage with a mm-hmm. padlock kind of a thing. It would be mm-hmm. more like we just put some heavy stones on it, um, plant it in I, uh, Ireland and Scotland, planting heather flowers on top of the grave, which are kind of mm-hmm. hard to dig up, was like meant to be a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard stories because I've heard lots of interesting stuff about the body snatching era of medical science. That's about uh, of people who could not afford things like that, maybe like camping out overnight at their loved one's graves for the first week or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it 
with the mort safes too, uh, some churches would rent them to people um, and then mm-hmm. take them off afterwards. Uh, they were mm-hmm. often not a permanent installment, but a temporary installment because the medical researchers don't want the body after it gets to a certain point of decay. Exactly. They want fresh bodies. So we could do a whole episode about part of a cult corner on body snatching, though. That's some great stuff. Yeah. But if you're looking for cool stuff to Google about old timey coffins, the safety coffin and the mort safe, I'm excited to go look that up. Mm-hmm. That's so much fun. I love it. I just love how like two people can Google the same idea and like we, we end up in different little rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm often like entomologically like, oh, where do these phrases come from? And you're like, Burke and hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, awesome. Well, I think that's most of our content for this week uh, for a little bit of shameless self-promotion. Yours truly will be having a little shop update on the 3rd of October. That will be a Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific. And it will be in my Etsy shop, which is Valkyrie Fibers Tahoe. We are just talking at the beginning about the Power of the Full Moon Club. I will be having quarter three sets. And I guess I should get my act together and put the quarter two ones available individually when I have left over. I guess I'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) I will have these sets for quarter three available. It is Buck Moon, which is a nice off-white with little earthy speckles, hints of blues and yellows. I think this batch turned out really nice. I have Sturgeon Moon, which is tonal blue with some earthy speckles. And Harvest Moon, which is kind of like a grungy yellow, like drying wheat shafts with some tonal speckles and like little sections of nice little multicolored speckles. It was inspired by all those artisanal corns that are all sorts of fun colors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, nice soft speckles going on in here. This will be, they're $25 each. So 75 for the set, free shipping in the United States. And that'll be this weekend. Oh, I also will have one set where like the, um, like the flower moon one that you picked, I will have a set that I will be labeling as bold, which is kind of where the speckles got away from me a little bit. Like this one of Harvest Moon's got some solid pink in here. And this one from Buck Moon's got some tealy bits. For those of you who like a stronger speckling action, one set will be extra speckled and it will be clearly extra marked. spicy. Extra spicy. Sweet. And uh, just a reminder, go go support that Kickstarter from I Am Fully Spun. Mm-hmm. And come hang out with us around the internet while we celebrate Socktober. You can find links to everywhere we are around the internet at fibercoven.com. Woo. Is that it? I think that's it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We're so thankful for your company. And until next week, Kevin, keep making your magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.